Read about the Northern Wrestling Federation in the book presented by Russellville.com, The The Pro Pro Wrestling Wrestling Fault, Volume 2. Hear the story of Roger Ruffin, the man who trained Carl Anderson, Anderson, the Monster Abyss, Jordan Clearwater, Chris Harrison, Jillian Hall. Plus 45 other short stories including Jazz, Bobby Eaton, Kamala, Thunder Rosa, Mario Mancini, Scott Casey, PJ Black, Carrie Morton, Sal Renaro, Jeremiah Plunkett, Colby Carino, Bam Bam Malone, and many others. Get your book today at Russellville.com. Russellville. It's where wrestling lives. Welcome to episode 182 of the Working Fans Podcast. We are here with the man called Dave, AJ Strangebrew, and we can't go another week in wrestling without a death. I mean, yesterday, Lanny Poffo died. Guys, what are your thoughts on Lanny Poffo? Lanny Poffo. This is an easy one. First of all, I'm glad we're doing this tribute show to Lanny. Guys, thank you for pouring in all your memories, hearing all the great stories of what it's like to be Randy Savage's brother. And ever make it past the mid card it's going to be fantastic it's not a tribute show to lanny poffo <laughs> we won't have a lot to offer but yeah i mean i will say this all right all kid aside what i would say is lanny an underachiever and overachiever in ring lanny was good but i i don't think he got a fair shake to be honest with you i think he was one of the first high flyers he's the first yeah. person i remember really using the moon salt yeah uh, uh, I joke around about him just because, you know, it's easy. Well, Savage overshadowed him so much, but yeah. But I don't think he got a fair shake, to be honest with you, because of it. I think that he was pretty good on the mic. He was definitely a decent manager when he was with Mr. Perfect as the genius. He was very service, no, sorry, very serviceable in the ring, able to work a great match. And if you talk to people that have been in the business who have ever come into contact with him, he was one of those people that was very generous with his time and very generous with helping other wrestlers. Yeah, the poet laureate there. He had his little poet, and then he became the genius. Genius became a heel. Like so, like to me, he could play different characters. The guy was technical. He was a flyer, like you said, one of the first high flyers. I think somewhat underrated and never got the real push because of who his brother was. Tell me you wouldn't have loved to get one of those Frisbees as a kid. That would have been good. I would have loved it. Yeah, I remember Lanny doing dives, like off the top ropes and doing yeah. springboard dives. Like, so, yeah, really crazy. More a sad end to one of the great wrestling family. Obviously, Andrew Apoffel, Randy Savage, clearly, you know. Yeah, to the, the best of my knowledge, the lineage is gone now. It's it's sad. Yeah. We're going to get to 1986 in a bit, but I thought we'd take on a little one more wrestling news here coming up. Although, we got some comments. Working fans, Lanny Poffo memories on the YouTube channel. Check that out. I was wondering, like, this week, before we get to the past, you know, let's talk a bit about the present here. SmackDown's tonight. Hot Royal Rumble. Me and Joe covered this. We did a review show Sunday. Check it out, fans, on the YouTube channel. But I'm wondering your thoughts here. As we go into SmackDown tonight as we're recording this, what do you see happening? Like, I, do you see Sami Zayn on the show tonight? Or? I think he has to be on the show tonight. He has to be on the show tonight. You got to have Jay on the show tonight. I don't know if Jay is legitimately going to um, turn on Roman or if this is smoke and mirrors, but they got to start building towards that card in Montreal where obviously I think it's going to be Sami Zayn versus Roman Reigns. Yeah. I was just thinking selfishly for us, because we will be at SmackDown next week live. I said, it'd be kind of cool if Sami was back there. You know what we should do? We should take producer Joe and his brother too. You know what? That's a great idea. The whole family affair out here. Got to bring it up. We are one subscriber away from a thousand. If you are watching right now, 
You're not you subscribed. could be the person to do it. Do it. Just hit subscribe. Do it. Fucking do it. All right, we're back. You know what would been funny is if somebody was watching that and they were subscribed to us, and they're like, oh, they're only one away? Now they're two away. <laughs> Fuck those guys. <laughs> my, my favorite thing from that intro um, video is the magic wand. It reminds me of like Cinderella every time, like the little Disney wand. It's nice. Mm, absolutely, man. That's what we like to think here as 30 to 40-year-old males watching a pro wrestling podcast. Talk about these Disney wands and shit there. Yeah, we got enough princesses in our life. But anyway. Uh, uh, okay. <laughs> I would like to say in case Disney's listening, we are big fans because you do own the world. So by all means, feel, feel free to push us and help us. Yes, we appreciate them. 1986. Okay, let's talk about it. I got some notes. You got some notes. I wasn't sure how I was going to really tackle this, but I thought I'm just going to look at Joe's notes and almost use it like this to get some like feedback for you. We're not going to go through every single thing, but look at here, right here. Hulk Hogan, 1986, starts using the real American theme, right? That's, that's So January, beginning of the year. Now, 84 in January is when Hogan won that title. So now 86 years, he's using the real American theme. AJ, you are such... A lover of professional wrestling music you especially love hulk hogan <laughs> how do you feel about this epic epic song well Please. the song is the song is incredible i think that next to uh <laughs> the slam jam album that came out from wcw hmm. this has to be the biggest song to this day if you've got guys in our age group and you say to them and you start singing this song they will sing along with you they will Real American, baby. Deep inside. All right. February. We'll take it. We'll go by the months here. February. Oh, I'll, I'll hit a couple here. World-class championship wrestling withdrawals from the NWA. AJ, was that a mistake? It was because it got rid of the last bit of support that they had, quite frankly. Although, at that point, the NWA had basically become a joke with it not being too much longer before everybody succeeded from the NWA. Yeah. I mean... At the end of the day, like I had such a strong territory in Texas. I can understand they were strong enough, but I think long term we're gonna see they definitely would have benefited from keeping it. And the NWA would have benefited from having them. So it's kind of unfortunate. Yeah, one hundred percent. And that was part of Vince McMahon's plan was to get those different companies to splinter from the NWA, and that's what helped the WWE grow the way it did. Another big event in May, Ric Flair forms the four horsemen of Tully Blanchard, Ole Anderson, Iron Anderson, and JJ Dillon. When I read this I have to say, I, know, I did kind of, yeah, <laughs> I knew you and he did the same thing. I was like, ah, Ric Flair, I mean, I don't know where Joe got this source, obviously, but like, formed the Four Horsemen. It was kind of an organic thing where they were all out together. And with the guy who was credited with the name has always been, obviously, Iron Anderson. Yeah, Iron Anderson came out in an interview, and he's the one who said the Four Horsemen tag. And I don't remember Ric Flair ever putting the group actually together. So, yeah, but uh, that was the formation of the Four Horsemen. And I will say this, like for me as a kid, because this is 1986, I was like, I hate this. this group of bad guys going around beating up people. This is horrible. It's not fair, AJ. It's not fair. Well, the, the funny thing is, and I could be wrong with my timeline, but I thought I remembered in late 85, the Horsemen actually beating the hell out of people. So that's the other thing that I'm calling into question here. Oh, yeah. they, I don't know. They were probably together a few times before they did that interview. And for, so it's kind of hard to say, but yeah, but um, hey, we can give it credit. Sure. Uh, also that month, Bill Watts recognizes Mid-South Wrestling into the Universal Wrestling Federation. I love the Universal Wrestling Federation, this version, not the Herb Abrams one. It's, it's a much better name. Come on. Universal Wrestling Organization is much better 
than Mid-South. Mid-South is going to alienate people. If you're living in the Northeast, are you going to tune into something called Oh, Mid-South. Could you imagine being a person of color and just going, you know what I really want to watch today, especially somebody living in like, say, California. I want I want to really tune into this Mid-South organization. Guys, quick update on the Four Horsemen. I've got Dick Bourne's The Four Horsemen book here, and it's a timeline of The Four Horsemen. Yes. And AJ, you are correct. The first mentions of The Four Horsemen, first reference, October 1985. So I'm sure... It was something going on before then that just... Where where was that in our trivia question? <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe we'll save that for like midsummer now that it's fresh on your mind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Speaking of summer, June 4th, Carrie Von Erich severely injured uh, in a motorcycle accident. We would find out later how severe this was. We actually didn't know for years wrestling with a prosthetic leg. So I remember that. That was actually my 10th birthday. For those of you keeping track at home, that's literally the day of my 10th birthday. Mm-hmm. And I actually was a Kerry Von Eric fan. He was one of my favorite wrestlers from World Class, him and Kevin. And I remember the injury happening and them announcing it. And we didn't think it was as severe as it was. And the problem wasn't the motorcycle accident. It was coming back too quickly from it. And then he ended up crushing everything again inside that um, foot and ankle. Funny thing, AJ blew out his birthday candles wishing to get rid of two left feet. And God just took a left foot from the wrong person. <laughs> wow, that's solid. I like that. Well, I'll tell you one thing you're definitely going to remember. Because when me and AJ first met as wrestling fans, this is one of the first things we actually ever talked about. I don't know if I remember this. June 24th, Hulk Hogan and Paul Horndorf's storyline reached a tipping point during a television taping at Mid-Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie in New York. Orndorff suddenly attacked Hogan during a tag team match. AJ, I know you remember this because I'm going to kick it off to you. How Orndorff turned on him, what led to this? <laughs> if I remember correctly, Orndorff was trying to call him to get him to come to the gym with him. Right. And Hogan wasn't actually returning his phone calls. And Orndorff felt like Hogan wasn't a good friend, which as time has gone on, I think we've seen plenty of evidence that Hogan was never a good friend to anyone. So, hey, <laughs> we didn't say Orndorff was wrong. I mean, we'll stop for a minute here with a question. Randy Osgo, what were your favorite shows from 1986? So, I really like the Cosby show. <laughs> Shout out to our man, Bill. Big things popping. Little things dropping. But I was wondering, and by little things dropping, I mean, what, cover your drinks, ladies. But yes. what I'm wondering is, like, when you say shows, right? Like, I mean, you're talking about the weekly shows or, like, big events? Because big events, I got to say, you know, it was next year, in 87, we were going to get WrestleMania three. So it's hard to say. And the flair and dusty stuff, as much as I love the feud, the big of big matches all kind of run together a little bit. Like I'm like flair and steamboat where I can distinctly remember each event. I don't know. Unfortunately for 86 WrestleMania, nobody goes, you know what my favorite WrestleMania is? WrestleMania (laughs) two. All three locations. Susan Sarandon. (laughs) Yeah. That Bundy Hogan. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, uh, I would guess, it would probably be the Saturday night's main events and stuff, so, you know, to let into some of that stuff. Well, and yeah, like you talked about with that uh, match, that turn that turn in Poughkeepsie, that's one yeah. of the biggest matches that we remember from our childhood. Not only that, but I don't know about you, but one of the other biggest matches, and we'll probably talk about this at some point, is the Steel Cage match where Orndorff, oh, where Orndorff got screwed out of winning the world title. 
<laughs> Hartford, Connecticut. I'm going to go. I'm going to read this in reverse here. Uh, I'm, there's one I'm leaving out, but only because it talks about uh, our favorite shows. This was a show, a memorable show. This was an episode of WWE Superstars. Randy Savage injures Ricky Steamboat by jumping off the top rope with the timekeeper's bell, diving the Steamboat's throat. AJ, you have gone on record. This is one of the few times you were scared as a child. I was. I mean, as we talked about, I was turning 10 years old and I saw a man literally come off the top ropes and we, let's face it, we thought Savage really was insane. So him coming off the top rope and driving that bell in the steamboat's throat. And then they did a great job of um, playing up the throat injury throughout the whole, Yeah, I, it, it scared me. Yeah, he had to learn how to speak again. They had a speech therapist and stuff with him. Stuff was great. Now, before that, though, in uh, October 14th, Magnum TA suffers career-ending spinal injuries in a car crash in Charlotte, North Carolina. I was a young kid here. No one did Magnum survive the car crash. I was always waiting for Magnum to come back. I did not understand how bad this really was as a child. Well, there's two people that retired this year who retired due to things that they couldn't control. One was Magnum TA with the car accident, who I always thought would come back. And the other one was Jesse Ventura. And obviously, we'll go into stuff like timeline and stuff like that later but jesse ventura had that blood clot in his lung and between the two of them i always thought that we would see them again at some point without realizing how severe it was right just a couple big events that were left in here friday night saturday night's main event uh, sorry february 16th saturday night's main event wrestlemania 2 as we know was that year the jim crockett senior memorial cup this is a good one awa wrestle rock yeah what a show that was (laughs) (laughs) the great american bash tour which was a tour for people who don't know sometimes too like they would take the bash through all throughout the country they had musical acts that's right they were going strong before there was a hardy they would actually bring dusty Rhodes up on stage a lot of times or the other um face members of the lineup and would bring them up on stage with guys like david allen cole and Willie Nelson and different musicians through that time period. It was a lot of country stars due to the fact that they're obviously Southern based, but it, it, it was a big deal back then. Now, do you have some stuff you want to read off? Some deaths, some births? Absolutely. We, well, we've got some good births. I'm not going to read all the births because, quite frankly, some of them just don't matter. No offense, Hornswoggle. But we do have Big E, who was born March 1st. His his teammate and best friend, Xavier Wood, was born September 4th. So they were born the same year. Did you like that uh, spot in the Royal Rumble with uh, <laughs> Kofi and Xavier Woods there, huh? Yeah, yeah, that was fantastic classy too speaking speaking of ironically Lacey von eric was actually born in 1986 also she was born in july so she was actually born a month after her father had that horrific car accident so two bad accidents for carrie in the same year we had (laughs) thomas sorry had to go (laughs) no i i I like that plug cut you off that joke that joke sucked you bitch that's uh, a Thomas Latimer. Thomas Latimer was born August sixth. Mm-hmm. We've got Paul. Preston Pat, Go yeah, ahead. yeah. Pack was actually born August twenty second. Now I'm saving the best for last year. Chuck Taylor born April twenty second. Yes, Chuck the, Taylor. Yeah, Chuck Taylor. I mean, I guess we could have went with Chad Gable last, born May eighth. But Chucky e. T, I think, is really the way to go with this one. I thought you were going to say Chuck Berry. I was like, man, I thought he was older. Oh. <laughs> oh, there is one guy. He he's a bit of an independent wrestler. You might know him. Seth Rollins was born May twenty eighth. 
Oh, okay, the Messiah. Ha, ha, so, ha, ha. So, so I'd like to point out he's a Gemini like myself. Oh, yeah, you too. You two have great chemistry together, I'm sure. So <laughs> I would have to say, when I think back to 1986, there's a guy who was wrestling around this time. He might have been in his first year. Uh, I think actually he was 85, he started. But a guy from the UWF in the Mid-South, that area, that I, w- I first saw, he was a bad guy. I didn't think particularly much of. He would go on to the Crockett's and NWA when they were bought out, and he would do really well. And at first, I remember he was feuding with Ric Flair, and I thought, this guy... I don't know. He keeps calling out Ric Flair, but he doesn't have a chance. You'll see where I'm going with this. Like, this guy just, I don't see him as a threat. I don't know. Like, he can't wrestle Ric Flair. Ric Flair will cheat, find a way to win. Guys bigger than him and stronger than him and better than him have tried. He's got no chance. That man was Sting. (laughs) I was wrong. (laughs) He ended up having a hell of a career. And uh, even though he was one of the few baby faces I didn't take to right away, I started to. And I started to believe in Sting around this time, too. Yeah, yeah, his career is actually still going. Um, yeah. <laughs> speaking of careers that are not going anymore, we've got, on February 4th, Gino Hernandez oh. passed away. Gino. Yeah. Gino would have been a megastar for a long time. He was such a young man still. I, he was in the prime of his career. He was doing fantastic. Uh, great heel. He was very similar to Tully Blanchard but a little bit bigger and a little bit more athletic. On March 24th, the wrestling world lost Warren Bockwinkle. I know that was a very hard-hitting event. And we also, in April, lost El Solotorio. Oh. Yes. Well, ironically, in April was also the debut and the first time for Jeff Jarrett. I'm not saying the two have anything to do with each other. Could be coincidental. But Jeff Jarrett debuted in April of 86. Also, J-E-F-F. speaking of great multi-generational wrestlers, Owen Hart debuted in May of 1986. Wow. You know, he passed away in May. Yeah, he, he literally passed away in the same month that he um, unfortunately debuted. Oh, the first ever African-American heavyweight champion, Ron Simmons, debuted in October. Right. And then two of my favorite Japanese wrestlers of all time both debuted in February of 86. Kensuke Sasaki and Hiroshi Hase both actually debuted in 86. Only problem I had with Ron Simmons was guy's a little bit too much of a finesse wrestler, kind of fluff. You know, like I like him. I like his style. I like his high spots. But at the end of the day, I want somebody that I know, like, this guy could fuck me, you know? Well, his stuff wasn't as stiff as, say, Jeff Jarrett. Right. Yeah, he didn't have to lay it in like old, yeah. old Pancake Jeff. And just, just not really as believable, to be honest with you. Uh, <laughs> oh, right. there is one more retirement okay. um, that year. We had Ernie Ladd, actually, one of the legendary, speaking mm. of great African-American wrestlers, Ernie Ladd, who had a tremendous career both as a football player and as a, a professional wrestler, one of the true gentlemen in the sport and one of the few true giants who could get in there with Andre and make it look like he was in the same size bracket. Ernie Ladd was absolutely incredible. AJ, you're stealing from this podcast, baby. You're stealing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, maybe that should be a 5-3-1. Top five Ernie Ladd matches. Oh, yeah. Well, and I look forward to reading both the lists we get. <laughs> I don't think there's really too much more to cover about 1986. Anything else you want to talk about about 86? Well, yeah. What's your favorite memory of 1986? Uh, Steamboat. And Savage Feud, even though that I wasn't a fan of what they did to um, Steamboat, like that's the most memorable. That and 
Orndorff turning on Hogan. Again, wasn't a fan of that necessarily. I like Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff as a good guy. So I can't say 86 had a lot of great memories for me. WrestleMania 2, main event, Hogan beating Bundy in the cage would have probably been the best thing. Yeah, I think as a young kid, no matter who you were a fan of, you have a tendency of cheering for Hogan versus Bundy. I don't think anybody was cheering for Bundy. I think we were all cheering for the big blue cage. I see the question down there, the Working Fans Podcast, we're being asked, AJ, what did you think about this year's Royal Rumble? I think it was one of the best Royal Rumbles I've seen in a long time. Really, the only drag, there were two points to the Rumble that I did not like. One was the pitch black match, which I thought just missed the mark. And then the other one was actually just the start and build of the women's Royal Rumble. They made up for it at the end, and it ended up being a good finish to the match. But unlike the men's Royal Rumble, which never dragged, I found that the women's uh, dragged in the beginning and towards the center. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I thought Bel Air and Bliss kind of dragged from me because I think because of the placement of the match. I think the placement of the match, and then even though Bliss um, has everything going on, I don't think anybody thought Alexa was actually going over. Um, I thought that some shenanigans were going to happen, which is a shame. Are you watching NXT Vengeance Day? Oh, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) So excited about that car. We have a lot to say. (laughs) Well, no, the thing that I'm looking forward to the most is I actually think Grayson Waller is going to take the belt. You know, I I think Braun Breaker is definitely somebody whose main roster uh, should be coming up sooner than later. Yeah, I, I just have a sneaking suspicion that uh, Grayson Waller, he's, you can say whatever you want about him. He can work in the ring, and he is a good heel. People hate this guy. Yeah. I, I, I also think that the women's tag titles are going to change. I think Roxy will keep those. I do think Roxanne Perez is going to keep the belt. I don't think that J.C. Jane or um, her partner there are ready to uh, – be the next women's champion now yeah G- so Gigi Dolan, i should probably say her name Gigi dolan thoughts on AEW dynamite this week for me darby allen samoa joe insane darby's got a death wish i like the way when darby wrestles like when they did that spot where joe was putting that tack jacket on him there with all the tacks on it and stuff like that and darby's like sticking his finger in joe's eye i'm yeah. like that's how darby would have to get out of that yeah they used a lot of logic in that match. I thought the match overall was fantastic. The match of the night for me, though, was not that match. The match of the night. I hated the ending. I don't know. Something Wardlow is very flat to me. Yeah, well, they cut the ponytail. That's it. To me, that wasn't even the match of the night. To me, the match of the night was actually Thatcher versus Brian Daniels. How anybody doesn't see the value in Timothy Thatcher, I just don't get it. The guy's absolutely incredible. He's a great worker. I like uh, his entrance. I thought his entrance was pretty sharp, too. Yeah. Really yeah. Oh, without a doubt. And the two of them tore the house down. I mean, I wouldn't, I certainly would not want to follow that one. And to be honest with you, I'm even entertained by the ass boys versus um, the acclaimed that that storyline, even though it seems a little obvious that Billy's going to turn on him. Yeah. That, that storyline to me is entertaining. It, it's weird to me because they just had Billy like kind of tease a turn and go back and then turn. And now, like, it looks so obvious to me. And I'm like, no, but I'm like, I feel like Billy's going to turn. <laughs> I, I have never seen a manager without permission or whatever the hell Billy is, without yeah. permission, go, yeah, we'll give you a tag title match and it works out good for the champs. Yeah, I don't see it either. Hey, I got an interesting question before we uh, get out of here this week. During that pay-per-view, the Royal Rumble, Cody Rhodes did the shattered dreams that one right there. I think it was, yeah, against Gunther. Kicked him in the balls. Yeah. 
Rumors are that Dustin's contract, obviously he had something with sort of reason, but his contract might be coming to an end. If Dustin is available, do you think we could see him as part of this storyline with Cody? and? I mean, we absolutely could. We could see any of the family really there for this storyline, especially with since how much he's talked about, what it, how much it's about family and stuff of that nature. I don't think Dustin's looking to wrestle after this run. I do think he's looking to retire, like you said, right. but I wouldn't be surprised to see him at WrestleMania. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, like if he can be there, I think he's perfect for this story. You know, if you if you're gonna have Cody go over, there's got to be a way to fight off the bloodline. Yeah, at least Dustin, even though he's retired, could help fight off the um, bloodline. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, do you think? Guess I'm just gonna keep pushing this a little bit. Do you before we go? Do you think The Rock or Stone Cold will be at this year's WrestleMania? Stone Cold might be there. I do not think The Rock is gonna be there. Okay. All right. If the if the Rock was going to be there, they'd already be pushing it. You're 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 now within two months of WrestleMania. All right. Well, on that note, guys, I think it's about time for us to get out of here. All right. So that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's WorkingFansWrestlingPod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, WorkingFansWrestling underscore pod. And then, as always, please continue to listen to us on Anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 